with God in the dark. A series where we're exploring together the reality of mental illness as well as the truth of, of God's faithfulness. And I'm really thrilled you're here today. For those of us who might be listening on, on the podcast, I'm really glad that you're listening, listening in. Why are we taking the month of February to look at and explore mental health? Well, very simply, it's because mental illness, anxiety, depression, maybe emotional struggles, they affect us all. Whether they affect us personally, like we've struggled with that, many of us have, or whether we have a family member or a friend or a coworker or a classmate who has also struggled with it. I gave more detail last week, but let me just quickly recap some of our, kind of our mental health stats in, in, in Canada. Uh, one out of every five Canadians, one out of every five, it's 20%, look around, that's us here, will have some kind of a mental health crisis in our lifetime. Just true. Uh, 8% of us will experience major depression sometime in our lifetime. And uh, many of you I know can attest to the reality of that. Whether it hit you like a Mack truck out of nowhere, whether it, whether it came on slowly, whether it was because of an event. Uh, we, many of us have struggled with it. 10 to 20% of our youth are affected by mental illness or a disorder. Suicide is one of, it's really the second uh, leading cause of death uh, for, for, for teens. A, a quarter of teens who die, die due to suicide. Um, and then there's anxiety, which we're going to focus in particular on, on today. Anxiety is pervasive, right? Kids, younger and younger, struggling with anxiety. Teenagers, uh, parents, uh, business people, moms, dads, uh, right up into our seniors, anxiety is pervasive, and at least 25% of Canadians will experience uh, an anxiety disorder that will require some kind of intervention, some kind of treatment or help. Everyone, without exception, is, is affected by mental illness, either because, again, personal experience or by you know, someone in our lives that we love. It's, it's real, it's pervasive, it's personal, it's, it's all of our concerns. And so as people who follow Jesus, the healer, as people who are committed to helping people find and follow Jesus, we want to become the kind of church that's more compassionate, more empathetic, uh, more caring, more healing community for everyone who hurts, for anyone who struggles, for anyone who feels like they're alone in the dark. We want to walk with them and we want to tell them and share with each other the truth that God walks with us. That's why we're focusing here in the month of February on, on this subject. And during this whole series, we've been listening in and walking through uh, the most famous psalm of all, Psalm 23, that may be really famous for some of you, maybe less famous for others, but we're walking through this together, and we're using it as a kind of framework for our discussion together. So I'm going to ask you, like we did last week, if you would stand, and we're going to read Psalm 23 together. It's quite short, six verses. We're going to read this together out loud. Let's try it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You know, last week we began by just looking at verse 1, a verse that we often just kind of glide past, especially if we have memorized this uh, psalm. 
It, but it's a bold statement, right? That even when things feel difficult and dark, we know that we're not alone. Even when we feel like our lack is growing, we feel like we lack so much, we need so much, we can trust the presence of our, of our shepherding, loving, caring, protecting Lord. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. And we talked about, we acknowledged at length how challenging this can be. When we hear the words, I lack nothing, we there might be a part of us that wants to cry out foul, right? Like, God, are you kidding me? I lack a lot of things. And let me list them for you. I lack rest. I lack peace. I, I lack guidance. I lack protection. I need healing. I need, I need life. And as we see today, this good shepherd actually leads us to the places where we are able to receive what we need. We lack nothing because he provides everything. Listen again to verse 2 and 3, which is our focus for today. Uh, he, the Lord, the good shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Our lack for nothing does not come because we are self-sufficient, because we've got it all together, or maybe because we're deluded or, or naive. It doesn't just come through positive thinking. It doesn't just come by pushing through. We lack for nothing because the one we follow leads us where we need to go. He provides for us what we need. He brings to our hearts and to our lives deep and refreshing restoration. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. Now, shepherds, you know, I, you know, I know we're not super in touch with that shepherding culture here in North America, but we've been around. We've seen movies. We, we kind of know. There's I know a few pictures that Val took when she was, her and Brooke were traveling in the Holy Land. They, another one. There we go. There's the shepherd. Doesn't he look like a shepherd? I think he does. He was herding these flock and, and, and others. And I want you to imagine a flock of 40 or, or 50 sheep following their shepherd. Sheep have no idea where they're going, right? No idea. If you were to have asked them, hey, where are you going? They'd say, I have no idea. Bah. I have no, I don't know. Ask him, right? They don't know where we're going. They don't know where they're going to get something to drink. They just trust. What's around the next bend? I have no idea. Why are you looking at me? Over the next hill? I don't know. The shepherd knows. And a good shepherd is always looking, right? Always looking ahead. Always kind of knows and has plotted out. Where's the next place we're going? Where's the, oh yes, I remember that terrific meadow. We're going to head over there. And there's this great spring-fed pool that we could drink by. And, and then nearby there's a fold we can stay in for the night. Green pastures and quiet waters in this psalm are beautiful symbols of restoration and provision. And I think especially for this, this man, David, who wrote the, wrote the poem, we remembered that... This David had once been a shepherd and he knew what it was like to endure hot and dusty days leading his father's sheep, you know, that always scouring, always looking for those fresh pastures, those quiet pools, that refreshing resting place. And when David, this shepherd turned king, when he began to think about how he had cared for his sheep and he began to reflect on his own dry and dusty experience or his own darkness, he began to realize that God as his shepherd would take care of him. God, as a shepherd, would lead him to a place of refreshment, even a refreshment in the soul. Because the reality is, I, I look out at you and I ask the question, does anyone here need a little bit of refreshment in the soul? He refreshes my soul? 
Do you need any soul refreshment? If you've struggled, perhaps even with mental illness, if you've struggled with anxiety or depression, don't you just need a place where you can just be? You can just rest? You can just receive in safety and security without anxiety or worry or fear? Well, the shepherd, he's very keen to provide that for us. He's keen to lead us to that kind of place, to guide us along the right paths. And he's going to do it for the sake of his own good reputation, his own good name as a shepherd. So what's the connection here? Well, today, as I've already said, I want to really explore one aspect of our mental health, the struggle that many of us have with anxiety. You know, anxiety can be sort of a general sense of anxiety and worry. Uh, uh, sometimes we dis- some of us might even describe ourselves as worriers, and perhaps our family knows how, how true that can be. Uh, you know, we often are, are anxious. But for some of us, anxiety has become even more crippling than that. It's starting to affect our, our daily lives, and we have trouble sort of engaging even in normal activities because of the anxiety we can feel. And anxiety can kind of go on from there, and actually can cover you know, serious anxiety disorders, can cover a range of things such as agoraphobia, people being fearful to go out in groups and crowds, or maybe even obsessive-compulsive disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder. These are all related to, to anxiety. And I know that some of you know what it's like to suffer from panic attacks. You know what it's like to have that overwhelming, choking feeling, that fear that seems to come out of nowhere, or to be overwhelmed by a social situation, to feel like you're barely hanging on. I've talked to many of you about that. I know that for some of you, you've probably had those kinds of experiences even even this week. Maybe someone you love suffers from anxiety. And maybe you long to see them experience some kind of freedom from this. Some kind of release. Now listen, I'm not able to offer you therapy this morning <laughs> from one simple message. I'm not really trained to do that anyway. But I am thrilled to tell you this morning how powerful and how relevant God's Word is. And that the teaching of God's Word actually helps us move through and overcome anxiety. Today, Right here in Psalm 23, but we could look in other places in Scripture, but we're just going to focus on these verses. Right here in these two verses, God's Word shows us how to respond to anxiety in ways that not only support the current and best therapy practices of the best counselors out there, I've consulted them, but it actually takes us further than that. It actually takes us deeper into a trust in God. Let me get a few things straight about anxiety. First of all, anxiety is completely normal. Everyone experiences anxiety at one time or another. And it's just for normal and natural reasons. It's normal to feel, for example, anxiety before a big test. Or anxiety on the first day of a new job. That's kind of normal stuff, right? We, we know that. We, we recognize. How many of us felt some anxiety this week driving around in the snow? Yeah. How many of you altered some of your travel plans because of that? Because you might have felt some anxiety about what it would be like out there. I did. Yeah. And guess what? That's normal anxiety. That's actually anxiety functioning the way it was meant to function, which is to protect us, to preserve us, to to give us sort of that, oh, this this may not be a good idea, to defend us. But anxiety can become a problem when we start to experience it out of proportion to reality when it's not really fitting anymore with what's actually happening. When, to use our prior example, we begin to maybe stay home, we stop going out for fear that something might happen on a normal day. When the roads are fine and clear and 
It's Creston and they're never busy anyway. You know, an analogy I picked up from the Anxiety uh, BC website, great website for anyone who's struggled with that or has family that struggles with that. There's some really good resources there. Is that anxiety is like a smoke alarm. It goes off to warn us about danger. But here's the problem. Sometimes your smoke alarm can become overactive. A couple weeks ago, Tennille and I bolt straight up in bed, two in the morning, because there's a fire alarm going off. Beep, 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 beep. You know, we have a wood stove. So, yeah, run down. And then it's off again. Fire's dead. What's going on? Which smoke alarm was it? We had like seven of them. Which one was it? I have no idea. Back to bed. A couple nights later, same deal. Then we're on the hunt for the smoke detector that's not working anymore, right? So finally it starts randomly beeping at different times. We finally figure one of us has a new battery. All that, guess what? It's just not working anymore. Change that thing. Why? Because it's not a functioning smoke alarm anymore. It's starting to go off at the most random of times for no reason. That is super annoying. You lose sleep over it. You definitely get some anxiety because of it. Here's the deal. Our anxiety can start to go off for no reason. And when it does that, it's not helping us anymore. It's not helping us respond to appropriate you know, things we should be responding to. Now it's getting all mixed up with what's important and what's not important. And we're reacting to things that we shouldn't necessarily be reacting to. And when that happens, we need to address it. The other thing that's important to realize about anxiety is that anxiety in and of itself won't harm us. Anxiety's not dangerous. You can feel that way. Feel like we're going to die, we're going to suffocate, we're going to faint, we're going to collapse. We can let anxiety build up in us into something huge and overwhelming when in reality, it can't hurt us. It can't stop us. That we can actually push through anxiety and there's nothing anxiety can do to prevent that. You can turn around and kind of laugh at it. It can't stop you. In fact, anxiety is only temporary and it looks much more strong and much more fierce than it actually is. When anxiety is confronted and when it's overcome, we're able to actually see how powerless it really is. Now, when, when we feel anxious, we usually respond in one of two ways. See if, when, when I say these, see if you can begin to identify if you've struggled with anxiety or maybe even just general times when you've experienced anxiety, but particularly if you have a struggle with anxiety, try to identify which one would be your primary response. When we experience anxiety, we either try to control what's going on or we try to avoid things altogether. Control or avoid. Let's first talk about control. It's a common response. One common example might be that we're feeling anxious about our health or anxious about our body image, and so then we pour that anxiety into control. Control over eating. I'm not talking about just uh, you know healthy eating, but an, an obsessive control. Or we're, we're, we're always concerned. We're always maybe exercising our body to an extreme. That isn't helpful. Or perhaps a person can experience anxiety in relationships, fearful of being abandoned, and as a result, they attempt to control their closest relationships. They try to either keep everyone in line or even keep everyone happy. Everyone sort of fed and watered and appreciating them. This can look like someone who's super controlling and demanding. That's kind of an obvious one. But it actually also can look like someone who's just always pleasing, always serving, always trying to keep the peace, always trying to make sure everyone's okay with them, attempt to control. There's a lot of other examples I could use, but I think you're getting, getting the point. We respond to anxiety by amping up our control, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. Maybe some of you can identify with that as your bias toward anxiety. What about when we respond by trying to avoid things? An example of avoidance might be 
um, for those of us who feel anxious being in a group of people like this. Maybe even gathering in this setting is, is, is too much. And we start avoiding uh, places that people might gather. We minimize our contact. We stay home. We even become a bit reclusive. We respond to our anxiety by, by doing whatever we can to avoid experiences that would, that would cause that anxiety. Or maybe there's a particular experience you avoid at all costs. You know, I recently came face front with a fear that I've carried and didn't even remember. So I decided to go to the gym when I was in Louisville. It's up on the 18th floor. I get in the elevator. It's dark. No problem. Lights. No problem. This thing starts whooshing me up and it's glass. My legs go jelly. And I realize, oh my goodness, I turn around, I kid you not, and I stood with my face about three inches from the elevator door with my eyes shut, hoping I could get up to the top without anyone else having to get on the elevator because I could not stand. It's like my guts got left down on floor three, you know. Oh my goodness, I limp out of the elevator blindly. Now, then I realize, this is the dumbest. I, oh, I can't do this. i got to push through because I want to come to the gym. The other elevators were all closed in. I don't know why that one was glass. Anyway, so <clears throat> when I come back from the gym, I decide, okay, fine. I'm going to confront my fear. I'm going to get on this elevator, and I'm going to like, you know, so this is what I did first time down. I just kind of looked over at the glass. But, you know, by the second day, I put a hand out on the rail. I, I looked like a surfer going down and up. But I was there. And by the, by the end of the week, I was leaning on the glass, kind of smiling down at all the people down below. I lived through it. As you can see, the elevator continued to work the entire time I was there. I have a good friend who's also afraid, very afraid of flying. But the problem was, we worked for an organization that required lots of travel. So she would drive hundreds and hundreds of miles just to avoid the anxiety of flying. We'd show up well-rested. She'd drag in after 24 hours on the road. Can you see this response? Can you see how you maybe have responded to anxiety in your own life, maybe attempts to control or avoid? Or maybe does this help explain how others in your life have acted or, or reacted? When the smoke alarm, as it were, goes off, when it shouldn't, at times and at places where things are safe, things are not dangerous, where there's no need to fight or freeze or, or flight, Often we'll seek to control or avoid. Well, what does God's word say to that? How does the good shepherd help us overcome anxiety? In short, by leading us through anxiety and into trust. This is how the good shepherd helps us overcome anxiety. To lead us through anxiety and into trust. And it's right here in Psalm 23. First, let's deal with the control thing. That's our first common response to anxiety. The answer to our attempt to control is to do what? The answer is to let go and to trust God. To actually stop trying to control our surroundings. Stop trying to manipulate and control our relationships or our bodies or our eating or our circumstances. And here, this is where God's word lines up with the best therapeutic counseling advice you could possibly get in all the literature that's being written today. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to let go. We're supposed to stop trying to manipulate and control. And in Psalm 23, 2, we're told that our good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And here we see this image. There's few places in Scripture that evoke such an image of trust. 
where the sheep, as it were, you and I have to actually let God lead us. We have to release control to him. That instead of controlling our own provision, we let God provide for us what we truly need. That instead of trying to manipulate our environment so that we don't feel anxious, we entrust ourselves to God's direction and we let him lead us where he wants us to go. Instead of trying to control everything, we let go and we trust. And yes, this is hard. But guess what? It's the truth anyway, because try as we might, we're not actually in control. And we know that. We realize that. We realize that we're not actually able to control our lives. And we begin to acknowledge our inability to control. We even begin, once we've seen it, we even begin to acknowledge how our attempts to control our own bodies or our spouses or our children are actually harming ourselves, the people we love. Our attempts to control aren't actually making us less anxious. They're actually making us more anxious. They're actually making us more stressed, more overwhelmed. And here's where we start to admit that we actually can't deal with anxiety by exerting more control. The more we attempt to control, the more we feed our anxiety. But to overcome our anxiety, we begin to experience freedom from anxiety through this open-handed trust by letting the Good Shepherd lead our lives. Saying, God, you are my shepherd. I do trust you. I always want to manipulate control, but I'm letting that control go to you. That control over my body, that control over my eating, that control control over my surroundings or my spouse or my relationships. I'm releasing that to you, and I'm going to trust you to lead me where you want me to go. I'm trusting that you'll provide for me in the future. And some of the songs we read that Malcolm and his team chose today were such perfect songs. They preached half the sermon to know that He holds our future to know that he will never let us go, to know that we can trust in him, that we're not standing on sinking sand, but we're standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. This this is what it's all about. Well, what about those of us who are prone to avoid? Who would rather kind of minimize contact or skirt situations or drive miles and miles to avoid air travel or, or just frankly stand with your nose three inches from the elevator door? What about that? Well, the answer is to confront our fear. They call it, I quote, exposure therapy. Yeah, it's actually called that. Instead of avoiding contact, because it makes us feel anxious, we seek it. Instead of hiding away, we do the thing we've been afraid to try. And that too is symbolized here in this great psalm. In situations we'd rather avoid, God leads us, I quote, along the right paths for his name's sake. God takes us to the places where we need to go, places where we will experience freedom, places that will take us, yes, through fear, but into life. God takes us deeper into relationship with others. Even when we've been fearful and anxious, God initiates growth in our lives. God grows in us a strength and a heart and a passion, and he helps us confront the things that have been holding us back, have been keeping us from experiencing the full life that he has for us. You know, a few verses later, uh, in this psalm, it says that the shepherd will, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Talk about having to confront your fear and know that it's good and know that we're okay. And all because this good shepherd, I love it, he does it for his namesake. It's for his reputation's sake, you understand? Because the, the, the state of the sheep, how well the sheep are doing, reflects on the shepherd, you understand? It's for his good reputation as the good shepherd that he's going to lead us along the right path so we experience freedom and goodness in life. You know, my friend uh, who avoided air travel for, for many years, she finally decided she was no longer going to be tro- controlled by this anxiety. 
So brave of her. I remember talking to her about it uh, through this experience. So she took a special course where people get together to confront their fears about air travel. They pack them all in a room. It looks just like an airline fuselage. There's people dressed in stewardess uh, flight attendant outfits, and and they go through safety demonstrations. I think they probably even serve tomato juice or something. Guided through her anxiety. That's what they did. They guided her through her anxiety. Step by step, they confronted the very experience that they'd been avoiding, and it enabled her to overcome a debilitating anxiety disorder that was radically affecting her life. And now she's been crisscrossing the country, living internationally for, for years. Here's the deal. She didn't get, she didn't get any less anxious by avoiding. She, she, that did not solve her anxiety. She achieved freedom by confronting her fear and moving past it. And that's what God, our good shepherd, wants to do for us. Do you see the common response regarding anxiety here? To deal with anxiety, we have to actually do the opposite to what our fear is telling us. Our, our fear tells us to, to think things that aren't true. And then to respond to that lie with actions that don't lead us to greater life. They don't lead us to greater freedom. They don't lessen our anxiety. We have to confront those lies with the truth and then do the things that the lies have been trying to keep us from doing. For those who are attempting control, we have to let go and trust God. For those who are seeking to avoid, we must trust God and confront our fear. And the fact is, we can experience freedom from anxiety. We can move through crippling, debilitating fears that keep us living with less joy, with less freedom, with less peace, with less meaning than God intends for you to experience. We can experience freedom. Now, am I saying that alarm bells won't go off when you're suddenly out in a big group? No. But I am saying that you'll no longer need to react to that false alarm. That you can acknowledge You can call it out. Hey, listen to that. You can name it for the misinformed, malfunctioning smoke alarm that it is. And then you can go on enjoying a great visit with friends. Am I suggesting that you'll never feel the urge to control your situation, to purge after a meal, or maybe even cause yourself some kind of harm as a way of exercising control over your body? No, I'm not saying that you may not feel that urge, but I am saying that you'll be able to name that panic. You'll be able to confront the lie that control will somehow lessen your anxiety. And you'll be able to entrust yourself to the Good Shepherd who will protect you, who will guide you. And then you can just relax and let life happen under His care. And this is where we see the connection to last week. That when I'm anxious, I can truly say I lack nothing. Because I have a shepherd who's leading me to the places where I'm going to get everything I need. I don't need to control. I don't need to manipulate. I don't need to avoid. I don't need to hide. God, my shepherd, has got me. And he isn't going anywhere without me. He's taking me to a good place. Our confidence that we lack nothing is rooted in our confidence that our shepherd provides everything we need. Well, I'd like to throw it up for a few moments. If you've got a comment or a question, or maybe you yourself, If you're willing to share this morning, this is a place of no judgment. This is a place of super encouragement. If you yourself have struggled with anxiety to say how you are overcoming or how you have experienced it, we'd love to hear that. But maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got comments you'd like to say. I'd just like to throw it open for anyone. If you would like to say something, raise your hand, and Olin will come to you with a microphone so that we can hear it and it's on on the recording. So any comments, any questions? Anyone at all?
Who's going to break the ice this morning? Hmm. Mike. And then Rita. Go ahead and take the mic, Mike. Mike, Mike. Thanks. Uh, what I experience in my life is, uh, um, what do you call it, flight and fight and flight. Yeah. And uh, so that's, I'll avoid things as long as I possibly can. I'm a, a great procrastinator until the fear overcomes and then I go into flight. Uh, so I'm used to um, going into high stress to manage things and, and I function better in that environment and that's not healthy mm-hmm. um, so what I'm constantly working on is to uh, face those fears mm-hmm. and uh, uh, earlier and uh, try to uh, uh, lower my stress level because uh, it has an effect on uh, other people around me right. so and that's something that I've realized at 50 plus years of age <laughs> hey we're all thank you Mike we're all we're all journeying into that and May God continue to walk with you in that, as I know he is. Olin, Rita up front here. I don't know. I have so many stories. I don't know where to start. I think I'll start with this week, though, of the snowstorm that was... I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful. It was a winter wonderland watching all this snow come down. And my... You know, everything getting covered again, and it kept growing and growing and growing, and it's like, (laughs) and then not going to work on Monday, because it's a snow day, and people need to bury themselves out. I'm a very driven person. (laughs) It's like there's work to be done. So I took four days off of work this week to shovel snow and clean everybody out and give my staff time to get organized again. So I've really, like the walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's lean on him and he'll provide it that really and to the beauty that he's provided after that because after the snow was all done and things were getting cleared up the sun came out and it was beautiful <laughs> and i'm sore but i feel good yeah. so you gotta let it go i don't know does that thank you Rita. Speak thank you i was thinking we all across the valley had their exercise plan worked out for them this week because we're all yeah exactly yeah that's awesome jody to the snow my anxiety right now is trying to leave our work parking lot you can't see past our snow banks and i'm terrified of being t-boned trying to even inch yeah. out coming out of work right now yeah i think there's a few people that i've talked to that already have some anxiety even though i'm driving and this just amps it up even more that's right don't let go of the wheel yeah don't uh, yeah that's right anyone else dana I I love the analogy of the um, malfunctioning smoke detector. So I guess my question is, if you have a malfunctioning smoke detector in you, um, or if you're with someone who does, like, what are the ways to, I, I don't know, like, how do you help people know how to respond to that? If you're with someone yeah. and you can tell or you can't tell, um, are there, are there, I don't know, are there helpful or not helpful things to do to respond to it? That's great. Thank you, Dana. I think we could all acknowledge there probably are some really helpful things we could do, and there's probably some really unhelpful things 
think you do. And uh, that is going to be um, a little bit dependent on the relationship we have and the situation at hand and the person we know. So I don't want to give just sort of carte blanche advice. What I do know is that we, it's a tricky thing. Some of us who've experienced anxiety know what it's like to have someone else tell us just, well, that's dumb. You shouldn't be feeling that uh, or whatever. And um, that can be experienced as very unhelpful, right? And so that's kind of a word of caution for those of us who, I want, I want to say you haven't had a particular struggle with anxiety, but often just haven't had that struggle with anxiety. Like we have other things we're scared of, but we're not scared of that thing. And we can be really dismissive. So I think the funny line here that we need to walk is, we don't want to be dismissive of a person's experience, but neither do we want to just feed that thing either. Like we don't want to, we don't want to, for example, I know I'm the kind of person, I want to resolve all problems, right? So if someone's experiencing anxiety, what do I want to do? I want to minimize that anxiety as much as we can. Well, people I've been talking to say, that's not helping, actually. You're not helping that person. Because that's actually the problem for some. Now, you've got to have the kind of relationship that you can walk with them through that. Not minimizing, but walk with them through that and say, okay, let's talk about what you're feeling. Let's talk about what you're experiencing. Let's start talking about what would it look like for you to confront this fear. Or what would it look like for you to, to begin to let go and trust? Let's talk about that. The person has to choose it. We can't choose it for them. But I think we could walk with them, listen empathetically to their experience. Don't minimize their experience, but also together begin to talk and pray. We're going to talk about that as well. But pray like, okay, Jesus, what would it look like to step forward and actually begin to confront this fear? What would it look like to have a plan in place? for letting go. And what does that look like? And that know that together we can actually begin to confront or 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 let go as as is appropriate. Um, but but not be dismissive at the at the same time. Because we all could cry foul and say, "Well, wait a minute, you don't understand my experience. You don't understand what's going on." That's true. Let's lean in, let's hear it, but also let's not at the same time just reinforce someone's um fear or belief that by control they make it better. It's just not true. How do we remind ourselves of what is true and who is walking with us and then experience you know, freedom? Yeah. Other comments as we close today? Terry. So uh, last night, uh, my family and I, we celebrated with my parents their 50th uh, wedding anniversary. And the relationship with my parents is, is off and on. And last night, it went very well. But as I got home and, and tried to rest... Um, you know, there was thoughts of something didn't go right. You know, things weren't going exactly how I wanted them to go. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, it took sleep away from me. <laughs> um, but it was the conversation with Jesus saying, it's okay, you know, and let, that, let it go. Mm-hmm. And you've done good and, and be okay with that. And, and whatever comes will come and you will work through it. Yeah. So it was that conversation with Jesus that, you know, it one, I think, allowed me to get some sleep and some rest instead of focusing on, on the, the negative. That's great. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Well, hey, let's wrap it up. I think there's three practical ways that we can respond to this. Some of it we just touched on, um, but let me, let me just summarize. The first one is trust. I, I firmly believe that that's where God leads us is through anxiety and to trust. And so my question to you is, what is one area in your life where you have been experiencing anxiety. Now, 
I realize that not all of us experience that, and maybe you want to extend that to think, who in my life is experiencing anxiety, and this might inform the way you pray for them. But I want to speak particularly to those of us who have struggled with some kind of anxiety, in smaller ways or larger ways. What is that area in your life where you've been experiencing anxiety? Now, some of us, you may have been, even through this message today, there might have been all of a sudden, you've been hearing for the first time, you may have been realizing, I would never have said I struggle with anxiety, but I'm beginning to wonder if I have. Here's the question that might be helpful for you. What areas of your life have you been attempting to control? Or where in your life have you been avoiding things a lot? Because it might be, could be, that in areas that you've been trying to control things, you've been doing that out of an anxiety, out of an anxiousness that you've not even acknowledged. Or an area of your life where you've been trying, there's things you've just been avoiding, it's because you're afraid of it. So, So for all of us, it could be that even this morning we've realized that there's some anxiety we've been carrying about our family, about our work, about our future. We've been responding to that in a variety of ways. What is the area in your life? I'm asking you to identify that to yourself. What is the area in your life where you've been experiencing anxiety? And related to that, what is one step you can take this week? One step toward trust. One step of letting go. One step of of actually confronting the fear. What is that one step? Now, it could be the one step is actually to start talking to the person in your life who's been wondering what's been going on with you. It could be that you need to open up to a friend. It could be that today you can come and receive prayer. What's the next step? It could be that you decide today I'm going to stop a certain activity. I'm going to get accountability so that I, 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 I stop controlling things in this certain way. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm convinced that there is a step that you can take toward letting go, toward confronting fear, toward trusting God. What is that one area and what is that one step? The second part I've already sort of mentioned, but the second practical thing we can do is to actually open up this conversation. It's one of the goals for this whole series is that we would be, as people, just more willing to talk about the things that are going on in our lives. Because, you know, I've got a little secret to tell you. Those of you who struggle with anxiety, most of us don't know you do. It's actually very hidden. Sometimes what, what you know is anxiety, palpable, overwhelming anxiety. Others think you're just kind of aloof or weird. Or, frankly, you've got it all together. Like, I had no idea that you had any struggle with that. I just thought you were busy or whatever. Most of us cannot see that you are experiencing anxiety. Most of us don't know that. You think it's so obvious. You think you walk in a room and all the heads turn. Whoa, there's someone with anxiety. It's not true. That might just lower your anxiety right there. It's not true. And so, opening that up, Beginning to talk about it with a trusted friend. Beginning to just talk about it here in this community, knowing that it's safe and open and we can grow it as our ability to listen to one another, to experience that together. As I've already talked about, our, our job as people, as we listen to others, whether we struggle with anxiety, whether we haven't had a particular struggle, our job is not to minimize that, it's to listen, it's to walk with, but it's also together to ask, how can we move through this? How can we pursue God together? This is what it means, actually, to help people follow Jesus, to help each other follow Jesus. We walk alongside each other, and we walk toward a greater trust in our shepherd, in God. So we trust, we share, and then the final one is that we really do pray together. We bring Jesus into the conversation. He's part of it anyway. 
where she began to talk about the ways that he's calling us to trust, to live, to step forward, to let go. We do that with each other, but in particular here in the month of February, we have initiated uh, prayer ministry after each of our services, something we want to continue to do, but we particularly are doing it here in February. Here in the prayer corner, we've got trained prayer ministers who are available to pray with you following the service, following the benediction during our coffee time, and they are just ready to just have a conversation with you and with Jesus together. They want to take time with you. Um, if you're here and they're already busy, just wait for them. Just as they're taking time with them, they're going to take time with you. This is an important way that you could maybe even take a step this morning toward confronting the fear, toward letting go, expressing your trust and your desire to follow Jesus where he's, where he's leading you. There'll be, uh, there'll be people here waiting for you. So th- those are the three practical ways as we close today that I want to invite us to respond by trusting, by sharing, and, and by praying. I have a counseling friend who says, you've probably heard the phrase before, but he loves it, don't believe everything you think. Because the fact is, we often think lies. We believe lies. Lies about ourselves. Lies about God. Lies about life. Lies about what, what control will do for us. Lies about what avoiding could do for us. And that's what today's been all about. Identifying ways that lies have crept in and kept us in anxiety and fear rather than the way that truth can set us free. As we close today, I just want to pray a prayer that comes directly out of a, a little letter that Paul wrote to a group of fairly anxious Christians in the city of Philippi. Into their situation, Paul spoke of their need to trust and to pray, to express their needs to God and to experience God's peace. And he also tells them to fix their thoughts on goodness, truth, honorable things, things of excellence. So I'm going to read this verse and I'm just simply going to pray it for, for us as we close today. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we don't actually have to worry about anything. We don't actually have to be anxious, but rather we can tell you what we need and know that you've got it. We can thank you for what you are doing and what you have done, what you will do. And as a result of that, we can truly experience your peace in our lives beyond what we would have expected, beyond what we could even understand. And I pray today in particular for those in our community, for those among us who have struggled with anxiety of some kind. I pray that you would guard their heart and their mind in you, Jesus. That in those times when their, their hearts and their minds are drawn to, 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 to be worried or to, to try to control or, or to try to make things right or to avoid things altogether, when they feel the panic rise up in them, that they would acknowledge at that moment in time that they are shepherded by you, that you are the ones who guard their heart and their minds. And I pray that that would be true for them that they would know your goodness and your freedom and your love, and that in that moment when their hearts and their minds are pulled away, they would remember these words that they are called to fix their thoughts, to turn their eyes away from those things that want to drag them down, 
that want to keep them in fear, that they would fix their thoughts on you, on what is true, on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. And that as they, as they learn this, they would keep practicing, that we would keep practicing hearts and minds that are attentive to the good things, the true things, the honorable things, the lovely things. That we would be able to acknowledge the smoke alarms that are going off in our hearts and minds and call them for what they are, false, lies. And that we would live in the truth of your freedom and your grace. I pray that we keep putting these things into practice in our lives. And as a result, we would experience more and more of your peace as you lead us as our good shepherd. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you today. I'm glad you're here. And if any of you would like to receive prayer ministry, please come forward. Uh, but we're going to have coffee now, so will you rise? May the God of peace protect you today. May we walk under the shadow of our good shepherd. God be with you.